We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on Sites TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsak, and I'm joined live and in person by... Yeah, that's right. Um, my name is Simon Howell. I'm also the host of Sound on Sight, the... Uh, conventional movie related sound on site podcast and you are correct uh we are we don't know if you can tell the difference at home but we're both here uh on the sound on site hover yacht <laughs> in uh in, in delicious montreal quebec canada and uh we're delighted to have you here yeah, good times. Uh, as I was mentioning with the, uh, to you earlier, I have been here briefly. I've not yet been to Tim Hortons, but they are everywhere there. I think they might be more ubiquitous than McDonald's in America. So that's pretty astonishing. Yeah, they're they're pretty much all over the place. We're going to have occasion to talk uh, Canada when we come to How I Met Your Mother uh, a little later. But in any case, I'm very excited to be doing this in person uh, because it's the Internet's just not the same. <laughs> So uh, how's your, how's your week been? Anything uh, interesting? Uh, well, besides the part where I almost died, I'm feeling quite good. I can, if anyone heard me on the Walking Dead show or on the Halloween show, you'll notice I was quite short of breath. That's because I was actually amidst a mild asthma attack. Uh, so that was fun. But I think I'm I think I'm in the clear now. So uh, thank you for your kind letters and words of condolences that I didn't receive. Um, but was, I'm, I'm feeling better. Yeah, I'm sure they were sending, you know, vi vibes, vibes and, yeah. and thoughts into the I, ether. I think a few people were secretly happy. <laughs> Se or maybe not so secretly. Anyway, but I'm still alive, so. Good. We, we it's on you, we, suckers. <laughs> we do prefer you alive, usually. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a good week. It was a, it was a long drive, and uh, that's why I wasn't able to be on the Walking Dead podcast the other day. But I'm going to share my thoughts on that a little later in the podcast. And, uh, yeah, it should be it should be fun. Um, we have some fun stuff happening at the website, as ever, and thank you to Dan, Michael, and Keith, who commented on our post for the podcast last week, and so we reached our goal. Go team. Yay! Yay! Um, Dan, we talked some Once Upon a Time, and and Michael uh, talked some Amazing Race with me, which I appreciate, because I, I don't think I know anybody else besides myself and my parents who watches that show, so that... You know, Amazing Race is one of those things that if it's on, I'll watch it, but I'm, I just never happen to be around when it's on. Like, it's, it's certainly above average reality entertainment, uh, but it doesn't feel uh, hopelessly exploitative. So that's always nice. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I totally get why you why you love it. <laughs> and then um, Keith uh, po posted a, a comment that I forgot. I have not posted back yet, but I intend to. But he was saying that he watches a lot of different shows. Um, and, of course, we watch probably way too many shows. But there was only a few shows of overlap. So I'm curious uh, to hear from Keith what he watches that we don't cover and uh, what shows that we actually do both watch because I think that's interesting. I'm, why am I betting that either Dexter or, Bo or Boardwalk Empire is going to be in there? I have no idea. Apparently, they are very good. That's what I keep hearing. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing mixed things on Dexter, but mostly I just got tired of it so long ago that I never felt like picking it up again. <laughs> and Boardwalk Empire never really impressed me in the first place, but maybe I'll give the second season a shot. Uh, and it's certainly true that we watch too much. Um, we, although it's worth mentioning that this week there's at least one show getting broken up with to borrow the parlance over at Big Red Podcast. And one for you and one for me, but we'll we'll get there. Um, we'll we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. I, we have. I heard from Dave on Twitter, who uh, it was the first time hearing from him. So come over to the website, Dave, and uh, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. He just started watching Mad Men. And apparently he liked the first two seasons, but has not caught up with three and four yet. He was going to watch that, I think, this past weekend. Third so. is the best season. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd be curious uh, how that went. Yeah, him. and it. what is the website? It's soundonsite.org. There we go. Sorry. Um, and then, of course, TNRLM and I talked some Supernatural, uh, but I'll, I'll get there later. Yeah, we, we'll, yeah we'll Supernatural talk is coming up. Um, let's see. We have reviews going up at the website. A few new shows. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, we have, well, Giannis has been reviewing Community for us, but Misfits just started up, so he's going to be reviewing that as well. Nice. And we have some new writers. Uh, Kath is going to be reviewing Grimm for us, and, and Dan is reviewing Chuck. They both had their uh, premiere reviews up at the site this week. And then, of course, Ryan is still doing American Horror Story for us. Corey's doing Homeland. You and Ricky are doing your dual Walking Dead reviews, which I think is always so much fun. And then I have uh, Supernatural and Fringe that I'm reviewing. Um, it's, Fringe has been off for a couple weeks. It's back this week. It got bumped to do two Game 7 of the World Series this past week. I'm just going to say now, uh, I'm driving back from Montreal on Saturday, so those reviews for me might be a couple days late getting up, but I will do my best because I know that's fun to read you sure right you don't after. want me to fill in for you? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling. All right. <laughs> but uh, And then, of course... We'll be doing our week in TV in case some people are new to the podcast. We start out with going through the week and saying, you know, talking about the different shows that we've watched. And then we do, uh, we spotlight a few shows that we think were particularly memorable this week. And then we go into our DVD shelf segment where we have a guest on and talk about a show that's no longer on the air, but one that maybe some of our listeners um, should check out. And this week we talked with Craig Bevan from Movies You Should See about the. Uh, in the tradition of movies, you should see the classic uh, "Spaced" from yes. from uh, one you know a fantastic British show. So that was a lot of fun, and we'll have that coming at the end of the podcast. But let's uh, let's kick it off. All right. So what, what what are we starting with? Well, we're starting with Tuesday, and there aren't actually any shows that we have to review on Tuesday. But my first thing, the show that I will be breaking up with, I have decided is I'm breaking up with Glee. Yeah, it comes back tonight, but I I I was just so happy when it, I didn't have to review it when it went off the air for October that I think I'm I think I'm done un, until maybe I'll check in on Marty Noxon's episode coming up, but yeah, it feels it feels good. <laughs> yeah, but I will so miss our talks. <laughs> more than the songs I've More been. than well, more than the episodes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that nothing on Tuesday right now, at least. But let's go to Wednesday and Suburgatory. What did you think of their Halloween episode? Oh, I thought this was quite strong, and it made me think of how that me the Cheryl Hines character is not a horror person. It made me think about you because you are, are an avowed <laughs> scaredy cat, as, as you would say. I thought, oh, what I wouldn't give to just sit her down with just some nasty, awful <laughs> horror stuff and just absolutely freak the hell out of her. I thought this was a lot of fun. I thought they really dove into the Halloween theme with gusto, but not they didn't go too far into sort of ridiculous territory. Like I think 
for instance, Community did last season with the whole zombie thing. Personally, I thought that was a, even Dan Harmon said that was a step too far. They didn't go a step too far here, although it seemed like they might. And that was quite nice. I thought it was a really solid episode. That's, sorry, that's pretty funny because I have not seen The Omen, The Exorcist, or what was the other one? The Shining. No, wasn't it? No, it wasn't, no, because it was... Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby, yeah. yeah. I have definitely not seen Rosemary's Baby either. So, yeah, that that's entertaining. Put me in a, a Stepford wife body and a leopard cheetah print, and maybe that is me. Um, Rosemary, Rosemary's Baby is not too bad. There's just the possession scene and the butt... Yeah, okay, maybe it is. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I don't. <laughs> and also I did, the ending. I don't need that in my brain. I did like this episode a lot. Um, I, for me, what I enjoyed the most. Well, first of all, I enjoyed their their zeal towards Halloween. That was a lot of fun, and I really liked how crazy Ellie Grant was in this. Oh, I, and she's been so great. Mm-hmm. She's really stepped it up. I mean, she was really good on Weeds, but I think we're seeing a sort of a different comic energy from her here, and she's really great. We also got a little bit. We also got some really fun stuff from Jane Levy. Mm-hmm. I especially liked her exorcist voice. <laughs> that was quite solid. And we, of course, got the first appearance of Cheryl Hines' wife, who turns out to be Jay husband. Moore. Uh, sorry. Wow. Husband. Wow. <laughs> how did, I don't know how I did that. But it turns out to be Jay Moore, who I haven't seen in anything in quite a while. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good addition. I think I, I can see him fitting in with the tone of the show very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we, d- we didn't really see him enough to know what sort of a husband he is, really, except mm-hmm. that he's not around. Mm-hmm. So I'm not we're not really sure which direction they're going to go with his character. You were complaining last week that you were worried they were sort of going in a romantic direction between Cheryl Hines and Jeremy Sisto. And there was a little more of that this mm-hmm. week. And so I can see that I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather not see them go that way, but it is television. So they're going to, they're going to go that way. And yeah. Oh, well, but hopefully, you know, they've, they've done well. I've enjoyed the season so far, so I should probably give them the benefit of the doubt, yeah. but it was still, yeah, it was a fun episode. Um, not my favorite of the Halloween episodes this week, but yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, we also had a South Park episode, so we did, and I thought it would be a good idea for you to get in on the South Park action this week, since this episode was written or at least co-written by Robert Lopez, who is of course partially responsible for the Book of Mormon, the musical that Parker and Stone are responsible for, and is amazing. The hilarious musical. Uh, I mean, neither of us have. Neither of us have actually, at least I haven't no, properly I haven't seen, seen it, it, but we're both very familiar with the soundtrack, so yeah. expectations were probably unreasonably high for this episode. <laughs> um, this was not a Halloween-themed episode, I should mention, although there was sort of a Halloween tie-in a little near the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the thing with this episode it was really a two-joke episode, one joke being your Broadway heroes are secretly <laughs> hyper-masculine assholes, which was, to me, the better of the, of the two jokes. And the other joke was what people call subtext in musicals is really just a, a subliminal messaging system to get women to perform oral sex on men, which was <laughs> funny at first. They sort of did drive it into the ground and then into the core of the earth and then out the other end. But I, I, I still think overall it was an above average episode of South Park. I don't think it was. I, I mean, I saw some people really freaking out about it. I think probably they were all huge fans of Book of Mormon. The music generally felt a little bit rushed. I mean, we all know that, that Lopez and Parker and Stone could all do great things. I actually think the music in last week's episode, which was basically just a, a continuation of the Lemmy Wink stuff from back in season six, that stuff had me rolling on the ground. This stuff was amusing, but not as funny, although I did think the Les Mis reference was great. And also made me think of the South Park film, which also had a, like a huge Les Mis reference. Mm-hmm. So I don't, they should really just do a whole Les Mis episode at this point. 
But uh, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. Not the best they've done, but but still pretty solid. Yeah, for me, I I mean, I love musicals. I know. I probably know too much about musicals. Uh, and so when they had their montage in the middle of all the different shows being blowjobbed, basically uh, having their subtext added in, I thought those were all great. I you know, had a similar affinity for, for all the different shows, not it, particularly the, we get a little more time with wicked than the other shows. And I thought that was, uh, Oh, and I loved And first of all, Randy is amazing. We, when, <laughs> whenever there's a Randy centric episode, you know, you're in for a good time. I loved his reaction. Wicked. <laughs> it sounds so scandalous. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, no, it was it was good I, for me. Yeah, I, I just I think it didn't help that I had heard. First of all, you uh, you know, you were like, oh, you should check this one out. And so we can talk about it. And then all the Internet going gaga for it, as well as it being about musicals. And I, I love, you know. I've, I, from Cannibal the Musical to uh, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, I, I really lo- love whenever they do music. So um, my par- um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, that is. So I, I think I went in with too high of expectations. And, and I, I think it helps that South Park, the movie, is probably the best movie musical of the last 15 years. Once, but that's okay. Oh, no. that's <laughs> No, no. Oh, God, no. Anyways, um, <sighs> yeah, it was it was good. I I predict, I like the subplot more than anything else with yeah with um, Shelly with Shelly and uh, the vegan. <laughs> yeah, that was great. It was I really like it when when they go for sweet. They don't mm-hmm. do it every episode, which is also nice. Yeah. And they tend not to overdo it. But I thought that was a really nice little uh, subplot. I could have even gone for a little more of it. And the way they dovetailed at the end was quite nice. The Spider-Man jab was obviously dated because, I mean, nobody's really thought about that, that fiasco in six months. Yeah, but it still worked. But it was still great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you knew exactly where it was going as soon as he yeah. found the costume. And I, and I like that I, they, they could have made it more explicit and they just sort of had it there. And it was, it was nice. And, I, and Randy's little conciliatory at the end, moment yeah. <laughs> was, at the end was, was great. Uh, we just need more Randy, I yeah. think, in our lives. Uh, so yeah, I think, it, but I still think it can, it's continued their recent unusual streak of strong episodes. Yeah. Even if it, I think if it hadn't been for their insanely rushed production schedule, I think it could have been fantastic. Yeah. Um, we also had on Wednesday, the top chef just desserts finale. Now I just found out that you catch this with your roommate sometimes, or your roommate watches it. And in Canada, they haven't, they're a couple weeks behind in the airing. So I apologize for the spoilers I've been giving out on this in case of our Canadian listeners are actually watching Top Chef. So I won't say who won, uh, but I did like the finale. I thought that it was it was a lot closer than I expected, and uh, and all of the food looked delicious and amazing. So um, I guess it's pretty much everything I want out of a, a Just Desserts finale. There, you know, whenever they have the finales of these shows. Um, and they have, you know, they always have the sous chefs come in of the the previous contestants and stuff. They do this on right, the standard Top Chef show as well. There's always usually some discussion of how much help do people get from their sous chefs, and and if that's somehow something that that um, takes away from whether somebody deserves to to win or whether that should be counted for them or against them. And I, I always think that's a bit overplayed. That it, that's an issue in the finale I thought, but we get to watch people be really good at what they do and put food together. That looks amazing. And you wish you could reach into the TV and eat it. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Now 
Now, you might be watching regular Top Chef when that starts up. I will definitely be watching regular Top Chef, which I believe premieres tomorrow. Yes. For that's... us. And um, it's going to be I'm, – I'm really looking forward to it because we haven't gotten to discuss a reality show yet together. And I always enjoy Top Chef. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, they're starting with twenty nine chef testants. Jesus, how many episodes is it going to be? I have well, that's the thing. I I think I I don't know. I don't like when they do that because you can't possibly get to know the different contestants. Yeah, yeah. Well. But anyways, that that'll be for for next week. Uh, let's move on to Thursday. We had the Big Bang Theory, which was yet another Halloween episode, and uh, yeah, it was. Um, my only issue with this episode was that. So Leonard and Priya are doing the long distance thing. She's in India. He's, uh, you know, in, in California. And I wish they would just break them up already because the the two barely have chemistry when they're in the same town and when they're in person, let alone then when you put them over Skype. And, I mean, you believe that he would be clingy and not want to break up, but she hasn't shown that she has much, if any, affection for him, <laughs> particularly strong. So just I wish they would just break the two of them up so they could progress Leonard's character development. But other than that, it was, it was, um, you know, a fun episode, sort of middling, not as good as their better uh, episodes of the season, but definitely not, not bad. And they did have a pretty great, um, tag at the, at the very end, which was, uh, you know, Sheldon related, but yeah, so not as good as Suburgatory, but not bad either. Then the next Halloween episode we have is Community. What did you think of this one? Well, we all know that I've been iffy on Community season three, and I was for parts of season two as well. I will say this is the second episode in a row that I enjoyed. Not a mind-blowing episode, but I think whenever they go into sort of broad parody like this, and when, you know, especially like a multi-segmented parody like this, the more detail-oriented are, the better off they are, and we do get lots of nice little details here, especially I'm thinking of stuff like in Britta's uh, story, because this is based around the sort of campfire story idea, except they don't have a campfire. In Britta's story, you know, the radio is phrased, the radio <laughs> broadcast is phrased the way Britta would have said it, mm -hmm. which was great. I think that segment and Shirley's were my favorite. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't, it wasn't necessarily, I, I wasn't a laugh out loud episode for me, but it was, I appreciated the cleverness while not being annoyed by by too much cleverness, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a, a fun one, and it's it's one that I enjoyed a lot more than Remedial Chaos Theory, which was a similarly segmented um, episode where there, you know, we've got seven different um, mini. I guess segments or whatever in the episode. I particularly I enjoyed Annie's and the uh, what? It's a twist at the end was nice. And of course, uh, Abed and, and Troy uh, sewn together was I think uh, a lot of fun. So yeah, I like this one. I, I mean I, I liked their zombie one last year a lot. So maybe I'm in the minority on that one. I'm not sure. And I don't think you are. I think I'm in the minority and not. And Dan Harmon. And Dan Harmon, yeah, I guess he and I are kindred spirits, weirdly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I liked it, but, yeah, I don't really have that much to say about it other than it was clever and fun, but was didn't I, blow me away. Was I the only one who thought that, and I know other people like this, at the end when they reveal the test results and Abed is the sane one, was I the only one who found that really patronizing, or was that just me? No, nah, it was just you. Okay, just you. I, I thought that was fun and, of course, made sense. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm I'm really testy with Abed for some reason. You I'm don't not think sure that why. Abed would be the one that would answer the test in the way that the computer would think was sane? I don't think that's what they were saying at all. Okay. You think that's what they were going for? He's the one who got the. He answered this, you know, the correct answers as opposed to what 
one answer is defined by a stronger personality. See, I feel like what they were going for is, well, he may seem crazy, but really, Abed is the sane one. Which, I don't know, to me, that whole idea was just like, oh, come on, guys. Really? <laughs> I don't know. That 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 was a little... That that was wholesome in a, in a in a wrong way to me, but that's probably just me being a dick. Um, now let's uh, move on to our next Halloween episode, which was Parks and Rec, which was set at Halloween. It wasn't really a Halloween episode; it was just set at Halloween. What did you think? Well, I mean, it wouldn't really be in the spirit of Parks and Rec to do a sort of really j- heavy genre Halloween episode. They, they, this is really the style. Yeah, you're right. It's the style of episode that's set at Halloween. I didn't think this was season best in any way, but I think it was a perfectly solid outing. The, again, I mean, we, they're really, I'm really wondering what they're doing with Anne this year. Cause mm-hmm. this episode, again, she was just sort of tagging along with someone in this case, Ron and sort of learning how to fix stuff. And it wasn't really, it was cute. And Rashida Jones can do cute. You know, she can ride All that paycheck <laughs> till the end of the year, but I'm still wondering what they're going to do with her substantially speaking. And it also wasn't, you know, funny, but it was, you know, it was an amusing episode. The costumes were fun. And uh, the other thing is I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to do anything with Adam Scott besides, because I mentioned that they're Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, they're really riding heavily on the Adam Scott reacting to stuff and being awkward and it, and he's really good at it and it's still funny. But again, with him, I'm also wondering where are they going with you? Uh, other than that, I mean, usual nitpicks, but it was, I thought it was solid. That's interesting because I really liked the Anne with Ron stuff. I thought that was so much fun and I thought it, I thought it made perfect sense. I love the idea of her being, uh, as I wrote in my notes, uh, Ron's Padawan, <laughs> following around mm-hmm. and learning from his wisdom. And I, I thought they just, yeah, I thought they, they fit together very well in that dynamic. And uh, well, it made sense. It just wasn't, you know, actually funny. Oh, I thought I thought it was. You thought funny. it was funny. Oh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. With it. I didn't laugh out loud, but you know, as I've said before, I very rarely actually laugh out loud when I'm watching these shows. And there's a big exception to that coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, a couple of them this week. But uh, but no, you know, I had a lot of fun with it, and I do think that they are developing Ben. I think that in the next. Um, I think that they're focusing on where he's at right now so much. I like to think that they're going to grow him and bring him somewhere. And there's a reason for it. Yeah. I do like that. What they're not doing is having him and Leslie, you know, pine over each other and do that whole thing or like, you know, try to get back together, but they can. And that Mm -hmm. they're not doing that whole wishy-washy thing, which is really nice. I like that his, his reaction to their breakup is about him and not about her. Yes. And that's a mistake other shows have made. So it's nice to see them sidestep that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was a, a solid episode, not spectacular, but solid. Yeah. Now we also had the, um, premiere pilot. What's the word on this for Beavis and Butthead? Well, I mean, technically now it's called Mike judges Beavis and Butthead. So I guess you could call it a reboot. Is yeah, this, is this a but... thing in TV? Yeah, they have those. Or maybe it's just, you know, the seventh season or whatever it is they would Eighth. be on. Yeah. Eighth, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking about the newsroom in a, on, for the DVD shelf in a little while, and that's a show that ended, you know, in 97 or 98, and then, re- again, re- like showed up again for season three, like seven or eight years later. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there is some precedent for this. It's something that British shows do. Yeah, it's not doesn't British often model. doesn't very often happen in American series, but here we have it. Uh, for the first time since 1997, we have new episodes of Beavis and Butthead. And this was interesting to me because 
I had seen bits and pieces of Beavis and Butthead. I don't think I ever consciously sat down for an entire episode of the original run. And I think you you were in a similar position. And you also were really not looking forward to this. Yes, that's This was going to be a chore for you. And I thought this was a lot of fun. I wasn't... I, I, I didn't think it was spectacular. I mean, when you've got such a segment-based show, I mean, you, you've got a... You know, roughly a third of an episode is based on this sort of narrative. And then you've got stuff from music videos. And they've added this element of stuff about reality shows. Obviously not... Every part is going to hit all the time, but I thought there was about a seventy percent success rate, which for this thing, which for this sort of thing, is quite good. And I had a really good time, and I like that that MTV is still paying Mike Judge inordinate amounts of money to poke fun at their programming. Yeah, it really functioned as a um, a, a short, like a ten minute short, interspersed with um, the 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 little segments with them making fun of the music videos and reality programming, followed by another short because they're like basically the two unrelated stories in the same episode. But I had a hell of a lot of fun with this. I did not, I did not have cable until what high school, middle of high school, end of high school, and and I didn't, I never watched MTV. I watched a little bit of MTV summer after eighth grade. So. The clips I had seen of Beavis and Butthead uh, were never entertaining to me. I don't find stupidity particularly amusing, so uh, this is not really a show for me necessarily. But I was yeah, I was pleasantly surprised to to just I didn't feel like I was watching Beavis and Butthead so much as I felt like I was watching Mike Judge make funny comments and and just get to express his comedic style and. And maybe I would have liked the bits of Beavis and Butthead I had I had seen previously if I was more aware of what it was referencing, like the cultural uh, elements to it. Mm-hmm. So whereas now they're contemporaries. Whereas so. now, yeah, I know you know I get the Twilight jokes, I get the you know they show the the Jersey Shore jokes because I'm much more familiar than I would have been back in the day. But I I really had a lot of fun with this. And for me, it's all it has an added layer of interest because. I do follow television fairly religiously, but I don't follow reality TV religiously. I didn't even know that Addicted to Porn was a show that existed until... Did you know about this? No, never heard of it. Okay. And I guess it must be an MTV show. Um, So yeah, I didn't know that that was a thing. And now I know, and I wouldn't have otherwise known. I'm not sure if that information has any value, but it is now information that I have. And I don't usually follow contemporary music videos either. Which, I mean, they're now much less of a part of MTV culture, but they're fairly big online still. And that's an interesting sort of balance. And I, I like the fact that we're getting this sort of middle-aged outlook coming out. I mean, in, in terms of, you know, disparaging, you know, youth culture to one degree or another. But it, but it's still coming out of these, you know, young perverts. That's an interesting balance. Yeah, it was... I am now a fan of Beavis and Butthead, and it feels kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to... I don't know if we're going to cover it weekly. I mean, I, I'll probably... I'll, I'll probably watch it if I have anything to say. I'll bring it up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it's 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 a nice thing to have around. Next, we had what is probably the episode. No, definitely the episode that I laughed at the most all week, which was uh, "It's Always Sunny." What did you think? Well, whenever the and it's funny because we've had a pretty long string of pretty high concept episodes that have. That, well, I guess this was also sort of high concept in a different way, but episodes that have the gang sort of going out of their comfort zone. You know, go, even if it's just to the store, which is still for them out of the comfort zone. <laughs> and this week we had them in the bar for the entirety. It was effectively a bottle episode. And that is never not a good thing for them. I don't, I, at least I don't remember any bad bottle episodes. I know some people weren't crazy about the 
the gang is taken hostage, but I thought that was a lot of fun. And this was also, I don't, I don't think this was their best bottle episode ever, but I thought this was quite solid. We found, we find out the labyrinthine rules for Chardy McDennis. That's what it's called. Yes. Which is a game of their invention, which mostly involves uh, various forms of torture and alcohol. It was, and, and of course, alcohol in various formats. And honestly, whenever they get into hardcore substance abuse, it can be a tired trope for any other show, but they just pull it off with such gusto. Yeah, it just works. Uh, this is <laughs> this is an episode, and I, I said put this up on Twitter. I feel like they reached into my brain and picked out what the concept for what would be a perfect episode for me, for me to enjoy because I love board games. I'm a huge board game nut, and I have I have much like uh, the the gang created a board game with my friends that is an amalgamation. Actually, in this case, it was a card game amalgamation of all of our the favorite elements from other games. So, uh, yeah, and and I have the number of times that we've gotten four hours into a game of Twilight Imperium or. Uh, what one time we got about an hour and a half into a game of drinking Battlestar Galactica, uh, and had somebody flip the board. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, like and just little thing like there's there's just sorts of there's sorts of nuance that they can get away with that other other shows can't. Like the fact that um that Dennis and D are faking being drunk. While, of course, in reality, the other characters are also faking being drunk, but they're <laughs> doing it in a, like, there's yeah. levels, there's levels of acting going there's on that, that you that you have to think about, and, and they're very good at it. And also, coming back to Dennis, he is fantastic in this episode. <laughs> the dart. Oh, just his, his steely face on the dartboard was just fantastic. Well, and, you know, just, this episode really, um... I really enjoyed it because it was true. There was so much of this episode that was true to my experience playing board games, such as certain people having a ridiculous mind blink. And so like with, with uh, Frank and, and uh, Charlie and drawing on his back, you know, just the slight motion. And then he knows exactly what he's doing or getting to the end of the game and realizing that, that you got bored when you were creating the game. And so just started phoning it in at the end. Uh, like, you know, just little things like that are just, so incredibly true based on my experience when you're playing these kinds of games. Well, and also just the increasing mania. I mean, yeah. even if you're not drinking for like 20 seconds at a time every 20 seconds, <laughs> I mean, anyone who's played a game of Monopoly even for over an hour yeah. will know just the levels of paranoia and distrust and hatred. And anybody who's played a game of Circle and has that one guy who's uh, a, a dick on Waterfall, you know, knows th that moment as well. And yeah, it's just, I, I had... So as as soon as they got out the hammer and <laughs> nailed the board into the into the bar, I knew I was gonna love this episode. So yeah, they they've been in a nice little groove lately. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a lot of fun, and there's no way they're I don't think ever gonna get nom nominated for best comedy series. But and that's a damn shame. It really is because they were they are just on a hell of a tear at this point. Um, now let's let's move on. You had the league. I did, which is my, uh, again, to borrow, I, I hate to use the term, but it really is perfect, and I hate to use it because I'm stealing it from Big Red Podcast. I'm breaking up with the league this week. I really liked season two, but season three has not been doing it for me lately. They've just been getting into broad sex comedy, which some shows can do really well, and they do it fine, but it's not what I used to watch the show for. I, I watched it for the sort of the scheming and the the sort of mechanics of the league itself, and Maybe we're going to get that more of that later in the season, which maybe I'll check in on that later. But this week, I was just really not into it. So sorry, The League. You, 
you being the sort of not quite up there, somewhat inferior little brother to Always Sunny is not doing it for me enough. As much as I like your cast and aspects of you. Sorry. Well, and, you know, for me, uh, you, you say it's it's not as successful usually as Always Sunny, but I, I got away from Always Sunny after a while because I, I think I just needed a break from from it like the characters had gotten to a point where they had really wanted me and i was not laughing and so i took a break and i came back and i'm enjoying the hell out of this season so maybe a similar thing will happen with the league for you it'll come if it comes back next year maybe it'll come back and you can check back in maybe fx seems to not cancel its comedies ever so yeah we'll see um now normally i would have checked in with prime suspect this week but i did spend a day in the car so i had less time um, to catch up. So you did watch Prime Suspect, though. Yeah, I don't have too much to say. It did, wasn't quite as good an episode as last week, I didn't think. Um, we do get a little bit more of Timony's backstory in terms of her relationship with her superiors and those, those sorts of conflicts. We get a fairly dark storyline. I mean, honestly, m- even more than the episode itself, all I could think about in terms of Prime Suspect this week is how doomed it appears to be. I mean, yeah. they, they had... NBC ran a whole week of repeats and it didn't help the ratings, which seems to me like that's probably a pretty good sign that it's a goner. Unless NBC has like an unreasonable amount of faith in the show and we, we, and if they keep it, that we'll know that that's the case. But in terms of the fact that Grimm had a very strong premiere, mm-hmm. uh, probably indicates that it is not going to stick around. Yeah. You know, it, and Grimm premiered strongly. Chuck didn't do so hot, but it was also up against Game 7. So, I mean, that's going to happen. The thing is, I'm still hearing from people who are trying it out for the first time. Like, it's probably a poor example because I live with her. But my sister watched it for the first time and went, oh, actually, this show's pretty good. And to which I just, at which point I just smacked my head uh, because I've been trying to tell her that for weeks. And so who knows what will happen? They haven't canceled it yet. The fact that they didn't cancel it immediately after it failed to get stronger ratings this this week is, I think, promising. But, you know, there's only so much you can do. And you can't really fault... NBC if they no, cancel they the show. push the hell out of it. They have ads and tried it in a bunch of different time slots. I mean, there's only so much you can do. It is a business, so... Yeah, I mean, if I had to ascribe it to any one aspect, I guess it would just be that a network audience is not latching on to Maria Bello's character would be my guess. Well, and this is something that we've gotten feedback on from some of our listeners who say, yes, it's a good show, but it's another procedural, and I... I I have so many shows. I'm not going to stop watching a show I've been watching for a couple of years to add a new procedural to mm-hmm. to it. So I don't know. Maybe it's just procedural fatigue. Maybe. I mean, I do think they've got enough sort of ongoing aspects going on to make it interesting, but I guess maybe other people don't necessarily feel the same way. Anyway, I'm I'm rooting for it. I didn't think it was uh, their best outing yet this week, but I thought it was solid. Uh, I, I can tell that because I don't recall that many details because – it just it wasn't a standout episode to me, but I thought it was re- representative, and I really think people who were paying attention to these episodes would would want to stick around. But I guess not many people even thought to check it out in yeah. the first place. So we'll see. Hopefully, we'll be able to review it next week, yeah. but we'll see. <laughs> I, I would think that that zero point whatever that's turning out to watch it are probably the same people. Probably is, is what I'm saying, but yeah, maybe I, I I have no way to to know that. Yeah. Next on Friday, we have Supernatural, which uh, this has been, you know, I have a review up at the website. It's been a sort of off and on kind of season for me. I really liked the first two episodes. I didn't really like the third and fourth. And the fifth was kind of middling, like it was on the way, but didn't quite work for me. I 
pretty much loved this episode until the last scene. It had it was a, a very comedic episode. The the main characters were doubled. They were they had evil doppelgangers running around and going on a shooting spree. And of course, they that similar things have happened before on this show because of course, you know, first show has been around seven seasons that uh, that likes to do um, certain tropes and cliches as much as supernatural does the evil twin has to have happened this is now the what fourth show this season to have an evil twins which i think is uh pretty entertaining anyways there was a lot of it was very meta it was very self-aware of you know you could it it did one of those things that they they do so well in supernatural where and I, i described this in my review as well where you could kind of feel the the writer saying, yes, yes, we remember that we did this before, but it was really fun then. So why don't we just do it again and we'll make it fun in a different way and then we'll all be happy kind of a thing. So, the, you know, they're aware and 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 they, they're in on the joke and so it works. They introduced a new recurring character. Hopefully, I think it will we'll be recurring who was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I was just <laughs> I was just laughing throughout almost the whole episode. And so that to me means it's a, it's a success. The the problem I have with the ending is that they do something that you know is going to be undone in the first couple of minutes of the next episode, but they're trying to wring dramatic tension out of it. And it's just incredibly false and annoying. So didn't like the ending, but other than that, it's probably the best episode of the season. So I'm back on board with Supernatural and I'm really hoping we get more similarly awesome things also i didn't mention this in my review but there was i i I was having very strong flashbacks to this book series called uh dealing with dragons which is a a hell of a lot of fun it's a like a trilogy or i think maybe there might be more than that but in it the evil bad guys the wizards can be defeated by throwing soapy water with a little squirt of lemon on them and we had a moment that was kind of like that in this episode that I don't. I kind of doubt it was an intentional shout out, but part of my brain likes to hope it was. So, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Now, of course, you don't watch Supernatural, but you did catch the premiere of Chuck, which I, is another one of those things I have very little to say about. So I'm going to keep it brief. I dropped Chuck about, I would say, between four and seven episodes into the third season, which was quite a while ago. I thought that the direction they took at the end of the second episode was really ballsy, which, you know, makes sense for a show that's always on the verge. And when we say verge, I mean really, (laughs) really close to getting canceled. So much so that I think just about everyone involved in the production was quite sure it was going to happen more than once. And so that's a very unfortunate position to be in for any showrunner, especially for something like Chuck, which, you know, is a show that's reliant on twists. This episode did not make me yearn for the season and a chunk that I missed. You know, it's at its worst, Chuck, I I find it's not, it's really horrible. It just sort of coasts by pleasantly, which is what this did for me. I mean, you know, there's some new wrinkles, you know, Morgan is the intersect now as opposed to Chuck and they, you know, they play with that a little and it's, it was fun seeing some of those actors again, Adam Baldwin and, and, uh, and the rest of the gang, but it, I, I felt nothing watching it which is why I, I have so little to say yeah chuck is one of those shows now i i've been watching it I, I usually it's one of those shows that i get away from and then i marathon a bunch of them and i really enjoy chuck i went out and bought myself a subway uh, footlong sub on chuck day back when it was 
last in danger of getting canceled. So I am a fan of this series, but it's one of those shows that's definitely, you know, if, if, if you don't enjoy it, if you're not kind of just smiling your way through it, then it's not for you. It doesn't change. It doesn't really grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly it's just, I describe it as popcorn, but if you're not in the mood for popcorn, then you're not going to like it. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think those fan campaigns really played like a significant role in getting the show saved or not? Yeah, actually, this one I think did because they they didn't send in stuff. They went to Subway, which was a very prominent sponsor of yeah, the show and a, has a been for years. Prominent, yeah. yeah, and and so like they they people put their money where their mouth was and and showed up and supported the sponsor, not just sending random things in. And I think that the the Fan campaigns that have been the most successful, other than, you know, nuts for Jericho, have been ones where they it has been a pocketbook-driven thing. So the the Firefly DVDs selling as many as they did paid, played a big part in Serenity getting made. And I think in this case, the fact that the biggest factor was, of course, the fact that NBC didn't have other shows that they could bring back, that they could rely on. Um, but it didn't hurt, I don't yeah. think. So. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. There was also, and yes, yet another episode, and I do plan to watch the Chuck premiere when I have some more time next week, um, and we do have reviews up, a review of that up at the website, of course, from Dan, but uh, there was also another casualty to my drive to Montreal, which was the second episode of Boss. I did not get to that. It is, <laughs> from your expression, you wish you hadn't gotten to it either. So uh, Here's the thing about <laughs> Boss. I thought the pilot had a lot of promise, especially in terms of the, style, the the aesthetic qualities that I thought were quite nice. And those are still present. I mean, all the same tricks are there for the second episode. They really they really continue on from that aesthetic in terms of the, the close-ups and the camera work and the look of it. I like all that stuff. Occasionally, it'll have a flash of really good writing, a little scene here and there that's just great. But it's just the, the, the stuff that's preposterous in the first episode is just like the second episode, it, I mean, admittedly, it doesn't have any ear involvement, uh, <laughs> but it does. It, it absolutely is just as preposterous, if not more so, than the first episode, which is sort of the opposite direction I was hoping for. And what's really what's really frustrating about the show is it feels like they're trying to be the wire, but it feels more like Crash, uh, and that's not a good place no. to end up. <laughs> and I, I told when I when you know you sort of had to marathon a whole bunch of shows today. And I t- told you not to bother with this episode, but there was one scene I made you watch just so you know <laughs> how bad it was. And it was one of the most mind-boggling scenes of any show this year. And it involved, in the first episode, you had this sort of quickie mm-hmm. between the governor-to-be, maybe, and Kitty, who yeah. is, and her name is Kitty, really? And, and Kelsey Grammer's young assistant, who has clearly been hired for her, for her nudity capabilities. And, and you know, in one that it happens once in the first episode, fine. You shoot her in some nudity. It's a little awkward, but whatever. In the second episode, they not only do it again, they do it for about twice as long, and they do it in a public hallway. And this is a man who's supposed to be, who's running for office. While he's watching his family walk his, out. And his family just... is literally in the shot walking away. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. You really went there with that. It's, I can't, I mean, uh, I, these decisions just flabbergast me to no end because there's clearly a lot of intelligent people working on this show. And I don't know if it's a matter of uh, Asghar Farhadi's scripts. I don't know if it's as um, Alyssa from Big Red Podcast suggested. I don't know if it's Kelsey Grammer's meddling 
with those scripts or, or with the material. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's stars meddling with it, saying, shoot, we need more nudity, we need more so-and-so, because, you know, they don't have Spartacus anymore. But something is going seriously wrong at that show, and I, I feel like they've they've got what it takes to make a great show, and they're just not, they're making this instead. And I know this is quite a flip-flop from last week, because I did see a lot of promise in it, but it's I think that's just what makes it so frustrating. Yeah, the, I mean... I only saw that one scene, so I can't comment on the actual episode, <laughs> but it just, that's the kind of thing that would drive me nuts, you know, because like, we'll get to um, another ish, instance sort of like that this week for me, at least, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, those are the things that bring me out of it. He just, this is a gubernatorial campaign speech, so there would be press there. Yeah. Yeah, there would definitely be press there. They would definitely be following him around. Or there could just be people working there. Yeah, anyone. So it's just... Ugh. Anyways, uh, let's let's move on. We had, of course, the pilot of Grimm premiered on, on Friday as well. We already talked about that last in last week, week's. Yeah. And there's a, as I mentioned earlier, there's a review up on the website. So And there's some, some talk on, on the, uh, the site about it. And I'll, I would be interested to see what people think, particularly as compared to... Once Upon a Time, which, you know, also premiered this um, past week, so, or the week before. So that was it for Friday, and then um, Saturday, nothing, because I'm still not watching Bedlam. <laughs> and so Sunday takes us to the Alan Gregory pilot. Now, based on what I'm seeing in the interwe interwebs, and based on your reaction while we were watching this the other day, uh, I have a feeling that I am the only person who actually enjoys the titular character. Uh, what did you think of Alan Gregory, both the, the series and the character? Uh, I think ne neither really did much for me. There's just so much about the show that I find either off-putting or just trying too hard in one way or another. For starters, I'm not sure why, but I'm slightly off-put by the animation style. I'm not sure what it is. I'm, huh. I mean, it could be the color scheme. It, I mean, it's it's certainly unique. It's got a very distinct look but i just there's something about it that i that, that just puts me off I, I i can't i can't put my finger on what it is which i know makes me a terrible podcaster <laughs> um the the main character i i yeah I, I agree i mean like i like jonah hill i'm rooting for him he seems like a uh, like a decent fellow just the the concept of this sort of hyper intelligent very smug seven-year-old didn't do much for me there's some interesting ideas at work i mean the, this idea of you know he has two dads which is which is you know an interesting little wrinkle and they do there's some nice little moments between them but yeah this really didn't do much for me personally yeah you know it's one of those things I, while I was watching it I could see that maybe there was the kernel of something there but it still definitely had some some major flaws um, but uh, I don't know I still found myself sort of giggling at the main character at and at, specifically at Jonah Hill's. Uh, portrayal of him i just i could see jonah hill acting those those beats and those moments so i think i just enjoyed that as opposed to maybe the actual show itself so right yeah i don't know it's i didn't feel like it was the writing i didn't feel like it was i, I actually enjoy the animation style so i don't really get where you're coming from with that i think it's i mean i think it looks cool but and maybe it'll become something more, but I honestly, I'm not going to stick around and check because uh, because I just have too many other shows. That... Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it holds like a boatload of promise. Well, and when there's so much great television on yeah. Sundays, you know, yeah, especially on Sunday, that's true. If it was on Tuesday, I would probably check it out, or you know, Saturday. I kind of feel like your barometer for whether or not you're going to enjoy the show has to do with your reaction 
to the sort of plot strand about Alan Gregory and the principal. Yeah. Which personally I didn't find funny and was like just like the apex of the show's tryhardiness of like to be edgy and oh. different and I didn't feel like I was trying to be edgy with that. You didn't think the fact that he has like a like a conventionally attractive teacher, but then he goes for the principal because that's something weird and like you didn't feel that at all. No, I didn't feel like they were trying no, to be. You, I didn't feel like that was because that's so not edgy, even a little bit. No, exactly. So but that, I, I felt like they think like, ooh, that's that's clever and funny that he's that he's interested in, in you know the overweight principal. Like I didn't that that wasn't like a, an interesting source of humor to me. It was huh. which is clearly what they were going for. Oh. Well, what, if not, then what were they going for? Something different? Not to be, not not to just to try to be edgy or to make a statement, just because we've seen this story with the, the, the small child who has a crush on their teacher. I haven't seen this story before, so. Right, and they think it's exceptionally clever, which it just didn't seem that mm-hmm. to be that to me. Interesting. I, I, huh, okay, that's fine. Uh, so I feel like I, I've been. I feel like it's coming across that I like the show more than I actually do. But um, yeah, it's interesting, and I'll be curious what what our viewers, our listeners think as well. If anyone checked it out, if anybody the, did, yeah. From what I understand, the it got a, got a dismal return. Yeah, well, I mean, it's you have a very irritating main character, and when all your ads prominently feature him, that's you know. Yeah, and I find animated shows often have a rough go at, at first. Maybe yeah. that's just me. I don't know. Um, we also had uh, another episode of The Amazing Race. Um, my only thoughts on this one w- was that it was another nomina- non-elimination round, and they've now had three of these, whereas in previous seasons, they've had two in the entire season. So I'm not digging that, and quite frankly, I, I want to see more of these people get kicked off because I feel like it's every other week. You find out that it's a non-elimination round, and if that's going to happen, then I'm going to stop buying into the stakes of if somebody's behind. So um, that's my only thought. And then, of course, the the, the snowboarders were, were cool again. And, oh, my God, how big of a douchebag is the uh, – seeing as we already have our explicit, our explicit tag for this for this podcast. Uh, how big of a douchebag is the dad of the father-son adventurer team? Holy crap. Uh, douchebag merits an explicit tag? I don't think so. I don't know, but we already called somebody a dick, so I figured... Again, that's treading it. I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't put it on... I wouldn't play it for my young neighbor. Fair enough. But anyways, uh, so yeah, that's my only thought on Amazing Race, and uh, hopefully they'll stop doing non-elimination rounds, because one or two of those is nice. It's, it's a nice surprise, but when it's too predictable or too frequent, it's less fun. We also had The Walking Dead. Now you and, and uh, Ricky already reviewed that on our Walking Dead podcast. Yes. And basically, you guys both really liked it. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, most of why I liked it I were, for some slightly unusual reasons, by TV standards. This week, it really felt like they took some pages from Breaking Bad, not just literally in terms of the head-shaving scene, but also in terms of the way we had a, the, a book-ending scene for which the meaning became explicit uh, at the end, which was a, which is a very Breaking Bad move, um, sort of the overlaid narration and things like that. It's a, it's at heart a very simple show, so I think the idea of sort of complicating it or making it a little more interesting via editing techniques is a really smart thing for them to do. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it was a strong episode. I don't think I liked it as much as you guys did, and I was feeling that if I had be, uh, been on the podcast with you, I would have been pushed further and further into the negative camp uh, to play devil's advocate on it. Um, this was the episode that I was referencing when we were talking about 
boss that said there was another show where the tiny little things just was was bothering me. And in this case, it was they make a sandwich, but with bread that is <laughs> clearly store bought loaf as opposed to something that has been baked and then cut. Uh, it with like it's basically like Wonder Bread. And how do they have store bought white bread at this point of the zombie apocalypse? It just and so if I'm thinking about that, there's clearly a problem. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I don't think that's quite as big a deal as as the sex thing in Boss. And, it, and now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. I can't come up with a good reason. Rick's been been quite good at, at, at coming up with good reasons for these things. I can't think of any. That, I mean, yes, Wonder Bread has lots of preservatives, but come on. But months worth? Yeah, I'm not sure. The Wonder Bread people have to get back to us on that. Yeah, um, the... The other issue I had with this one, and, I mean, it goes without saying, but spoilers. Uh, so Shane shoots the guy, and that's something that, at least for me, was you could see coming for a while. But he doesn't shoot the guy and let the leave him there behind so the zombies will sort of stop to eat him. He, he shoots him in the leg. He doesn't shoot him in the, in the head and kill him. And that's a dick move if ever there was. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I kind of had more of a problem with him doing that than killing the guy, like, mm -hmm. in the first place. It was like, okay, I understand being, you know, that, that, that is that kind of person. Like, I don't know if Daryl would do that or not. I don't think he would. But if he would, he would definitely kill the guy rather than just take him out at the knees so that he can experience his own death and then be turned into a zombie because that's great. Well, yeah. A zombie who can wander his way home, seeing as we've seen that the zombies have a, sort of a, they've started sort of. They have of, some memory, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see how that's an issue. I mean, to me, uh, I, I want to be very brief on this because I t did talk about yeah. it elsewhere. What the, the the incident is more interesting, not in its mechanics, than it's more interesting in terms of what it says about Shane, in mm -hmm. terms of he is a guy who will do anything and everything to survive, more so than any other character on the show, in, in at least, or will do so with fewer scruples than anyone else in the show. And I think that makes him a really interesting guy to have around. And the, and the fact that he does something awful in the service of goodness, ultimately, in terms of saving it. I mean, I know that's not, <laughs> that's not his mental process, but still, something good does come out of it. Although not as good. That's I cool. Agree, agree to yeah, disagree. That's, <laughs> something good comes out of an awful thing, and that's always dramatically interesting. Even if no one else knows about it, which I don't think they will. Yeah, I don't think they will. But, it, so in that sense, and, that, and I like that also. I yeah. like that it's not something we have to wait and see what's going to happen with. Uh, so yeah, I, th I thought it was uh, better than most of what we've seen this season. Yeah, it was definitely good, and I, you know, I'm enjoying this season of The Walking Dead, and I think it's already infinitely superior to the first season. So it's it's been a lot of fun to to catch up with my zombies on on uh, on Sundays, particularly you know in the time for the holiday. Yes. Know, so, and then we finished out Sunday with The Good Wife. Yeah, which uh, you'll notice is not being spotlighted this week. I thought it was an okay episode, not. Not up to last week. I think every episode of The Good Wife tends to have little moments that make it just a little bit better than most other shows. And I think this week, for instance, the scenes between Will and Alicia's son, I thought were, were Zach, great. Yeah. Uh, little scenes with Carrie and Matan and stuff like that. Little comic moments. Uh, and the whole rush when Alicia spots the spots their client and that you know little moments like slightly improbable, but I guess you know that it is something that that you know could happen in one case. So, you know, little things like that that sort of keep it from... And I wonder, is Good Wife really a procedural? I mean, I know that they have a case in episode, but there's so much variation, and they find 
so many ways to twist it that I wonder if it qualifies. Yeah, it's still a procedural. The thing is, procedurals don't need to be repetitive and monotonous. It's just easier that way, and so so many of them are. But mm-hmm. procedural just means that there's a certain procedural procedure to the episode. And in this case, at the beginning of the episode, you, they get a case, and then they follow the case, and usually at the end of the episode, it's resolved. And so that happens right. every but it's week. Not, so but it's it not a procedural on the level, of, I, w- I would say, of, of house which is, well, it which doesn't is ha- to the letter like the same beats at the same minute mark. Yeah, well, the, the, that's the thing. Procedural doesn't mean, it doesn't have to mean that it's rigidly structured yeah. and formatted and doesn't need to mean uh, formulaic. Yeah, if this is sort it of what Good Wife is, is what a procedural should be. And I think Prime Suspect is to some degree as yeah. well, although it's not on the level of Good Wife. But uh, I think we will, we'll both agree this was not the best the show can do. Yeah, you know, I had some problems with it. For me, my problems were much more, or my issues with it were due to Alan Cumming, who I think was off his game this week. It really felt like in his early scenes, particularly, now this is something the show has done before, and they did it in, I believe it was last week's episode with Dylan Baker, where they like to play, oh, so-and-so or her or it's him because they know they're going to tease it. They want the audience to be in suspense. And it feels really, it felt really phony with when they're introducing Dylan Baker again, um, a couple of episodes ago or last, uh, last week. And this week it felt really phony when he's like, Oh, I know one person we could call. I don't want to. It's my ex-wife. That's right. Although last week when they did it, it was almost like they knew like, uh, yeah. Like, like, yeah. like, we're just going to make something up because we know there's no, like, really credible way we can do it. So we're just going to be, we're going to be dicks well, about and, it. And my issue is not the fact that they're doing that. My issue is the way that it's done. The performance wasn't, from him, wasn't good. It wasn't believable. It was too winking. And it just, it was, in that scene, I was watching him act. Well, and also, a. like. Cummings' character is such a smooth operator mm-hmm. that it, it always is sort of, it feels out of character when he gets really flustered. I find usually, well, there's been some exceptions, I guess, but I really didn't like the way that plot line evolved. Mm-hmm. I felt like the, the fact that she thinks she can run even though she knows what she's done. Yeah. And that, and that she thinks he's not going to find out and... Oh, yeah, it's, so just, many, it's dependent on so many things that are just like unusually contrived for this show. Well, she's supposed to, she comes across as very intelligent. She should, you know, she should be um, from what we've heard and seen of her in, in the episode, this episode specifically, as well as heard of her in the past. And she knows she had a relationship with a, a bin Laden, a bin Laden, and she knows that that will come out. So she should know that there's no way that she should run mm-hmm. unless she is okay with dealing with that very publicly. So, you know, that's just, it just felt like a, a series of contrivances to get us to the last scene mm-hmm. so we could watch Eli have emotions. And something about the, the, the Kalinda being the keeper of sexual secrets Felt very repetitive. Like let's let's get her in a new position. It was nice to see her doing. We haven't seen her try to spare people's feelings very much in this show. She didn't show. try that hard, but she did for her. That's <laughs> I, the thing. I, I like guess, normally, yeah. she would have said n- no. There was she, like twenty seconds of resistance. Well, yeah, maybe. but it wasn't. It was in Archie Punjabi's performance, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I did also very much like the scenes with Will and Zach. Um, I liked at the 
I like what we got at the end between Alicia and Will where he asked, you know, do you want me to meet the kids or, you know, and all that. And what I liked about that scene was not necessarily in their reaction and what it says about their relationship so much as just in the way that Alicia reacted and what it says about her because she doesn't want him to, but she likes that he wants to. Yeah. But like, she isn't sure that she, you know, she isn't. Yeah. It's, I like that it's more complicated than, oh, no, I don't want, I want to keep these two things separate. Or, yes, that sounds great. Yeah. I'm also not crazy about the, although it makes sense, the sort of new plot wrinkle of, oh, the, the new Hyrie is interested in Will. and and uh, Yeah. But, you know, I like that we got to see the Caitlin, again, be surprising and be good at her job. She's new. She's inexperienced. She makes mistakes. But she's also good and you know she she does a good job in the in this episode once you know alicia's there to help shepherd her a bit yeah. and and it was nice to see that because i was worried we were going to get dumb, dumb blonde. blonde yeah well you know and this is the good wife and the, the, this is this is what they're good at is providing little tweaks on what you think is coming uh i did kind of miss lisa edelstein a bit this week but um you know i'm sure she'll be back and it was it's probably good to take a little break off from from that plot line but <laughs> But all in all, I think it was good. I like the at the I like at the end where we see that Carrie's gotten a promotion. I think that'll allow for a little more uh, interest. And I like that it's also we see it's very specific the choice to have him always be interacting with Lockhart Gardner. So it's not just a coincidence that yeah. they're very intentionally doing that. So yeah, well, which makes sense. Yeah. Now our last show is because you were not able to get too enlightened this week, so we have How I Met Your Mother, and we met the slutty pumpkin. Right, and I was sort of dreading this episode because I heard that Katie Holmes was going to be on, and I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of Katie Holmes. I always find her slightly off-putting, and not only because of the Scientology Association, <laughs> although it doesn't help. Uh, but, you know, they have her as a character who is meant to be slightly... Well, not necessarily she's meant to be personally off-putting, but just everything she does is meant to be a little awkward, a little wrong. Yeah, as far as fitting with Ted. That yeah, is. right, yeah, not not yeah, subjectively wrong, not objectively wrong. Um so in that sense, she was appropriately cast in ways I don't think they even anticipated. Or if they did secretly, then good job. I thought it was a, a fine episode and and actually I think it was enhanced for me because sometimes the Canada humor is a little bit too broad for my liking, like they're going for the most obvious gags and they'll and they'll drive it into the ground. But as I was watching this episode here with you in Canada, <laughs> uh, and you've never even, and this is your, you know, on your first day in the my country. first day in the country. That was, so I think that probably enhanced my appreciation a little bit. And uh, Neil Patrick Harris went into it with gusto, uh, even more so than usual. I, re- I loved his Uncle Sam outfit. Uh, and I liked the way he incorporated his tie. Which yeah, he, that's great. Which, which a, a nice little detail. And I also liked 15-year-old Ted popping up. Yeah, that was that was great. <laughs> um, I you know, and speaking of the the Neil, um, Neil Patrick Harris Barney can- Canadian plot line, which I also I always enjoy the Canadian humor. I, I really liked the tag at the end with uh, Barney beating up his Mountie cohort. Yes, <laughs> which was just uh, a lot of fun. Though, as we did, you know, at the time you were commenting about how his accent went rather Scottish towards the end. There, yeah, he needed to work on that. I mean. I mean, obviously, they exaggerate their Canadian accents already, yeah. but that was just going, like, you almost feel like they chose the worst take on, mm-hmm. on like, intentionally. I don't know. I, thought, I, I, I still thought it was a lot of fun. What did you think of Lily having baby brain? Oh, well, I, I like the idea that, and they, they didn't sort of 
they weren't this blatant about it, but I I like that they went this with this comic idea of pregnancy makes you an idiot, mm-hmm. which I can see some people being upset with, but Hannigan pulls it off in such an adorable way that you kind of can't get upset about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she and whenever they go into tongue twister territory uh, or verbal puns, it's they're really the only show they can get away with that, mm-hmm. and this, this is sort of another gag in that sort of realm. Yeah. I thought it. I thought it worked. I thought it made sense. And it also that was another thing that kind of had the the ring of truth to it for me. If just didn't, when you have such a big life change coming, it's not good to start making other big changes and um, watching. And this was, of course, the one of the two shows this week to incorporate adorable suburban children. Um, yes. So I thought that that was nice. I I, just, I enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed each of the plot lines. I thought Katie Holmes was good, and I like that they. They haven't. I don't think they've done that yet have, on the show, have they? Where there's somebody who, on paper, looks great, but just slightly is just doesn't work. Well, yeah, it was. It was. A, I mean, they had to find a way to only have her there for one episode. It's like, you know, he, Ted meeting the slutty pumpkin was something they had to cross off their list for a really long time. And a, I'm glad they finally got rid of something as opposed to just kept piling stuff on. And b, I mean, they needed to do it in a way where she was going to be gone. Yeah, and, and that was a that was a nice, believable way for them to do it. Yeah, until I heard that she was going to be on and on as the Slutty Pumpkin, I just kind of assumed they were not going to come back to that. I will say, however, and I did mention this to you earlier. Uh, I was disappointed by the sluttiness of the Slutty Pumpkin. I didn't think she was particularly slutty. So I don't know. You, I, you, I you wanted her sluttier. It wasn't a slutty pumpkin. It was just a pumpkin that I'm sorry. It was a pumpkin where the cutouts were her boobs and. Like that's, I mean, I, we didn't see if you could see like her underwear or not, or depending on where the mouth was at, but it's just like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was, I expected more considering the level of sluttiness we often see. So if, so if you were a script editor on How I Met Your Mother, your, your note for the episode would have been, we need a sluttier pumpkin. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't, I mean, it's like, fair enough. They, I felt like they built it up a lot yeah, in the previous episode. Like that was one slutty pumpkin, but yeah, no, yeah it was just really. like, it's exactly what you'd think it would be. Yeah, so enough. I don't know. <laughs> you are nitpicking left and right this week. Yeah, I can't help it. It's in my nature. Um, but I, we've been going for quite a while now. So let's um, let's take a break, listen to some music, and we'll come back with our spotlight episode. Yes, some music. Yes, it, <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, not an, that's not an evil laugh at all. Enjoy our our selection, and we'll come back and we're going to talk some uh, happy endings and, and homeland. So that musical selection was <laughs> Orphan by Gridlock, or Gridlink, I apologize, uh, which was featured prominently, shall we say, in this week's episode of Homeland. Um, but before we talk Homeland, we're going to spend a little time with Happy Endings. Now, this is a show that you had never checked out before, um, but it's one that I, I have been enjoying for the past couple of weeks. So what did you think of Happy Endings? Well, I actually did check out Happy Endings when it premiered and I recall it having 
a really dismal pilot. And I mean, that could just be my memory talking, but I really was not impressed with it. And I did, I saw one other episode uh, earlier this season, which I think I mentioned last week, and I thought it was fine, but not really uh, top tier stuff. That being said, their Halloween episode this week was spectacular. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was it was really great stuff, and it I don't I don't know whether it's and I and I don't have comparative credits. I don't know if they have a new writing team or what's going on, but to me they it was everything clicked in a way that I haven't seen it happen before. The comic rhythms were great. The costumes were fantastic. The every single plot line because you know you, the characters are spread out all over the place works, and no character seems underdeveloped or uninteresting or irritating. Which is which was a huge problem for me with the pilot, from what I recall. Uh, so it seems to me they've made great strides. Yeah, just if nothing else, this episode would have been hilarious and worthwhile just for Penny and Max's couple's costume, which was of course Penny was the mom and Max was the baby. And uh, I, I was watching this. I watched this and then was killing some time with my family before watching Amazing Race the other day. And so I showed it to them. And I'm pretty sure when Max started punching Abraham Lincoln in the junk with his tiny little baby hands, it broke my dad. It was just such a great moment and so hilarious. And I thought it really worked the way that they split it up between the three couples or the two, you know, the, the one couple and the two not couples. Yes. I thought it was very successful. And I mean, just having Eliza Coop walking around in a giant bacon costume next to Damon Wayne Jr. I don't know. That's just funny. Mm -hmm. Yep, totally. And uh, the Marilyn Monroe yeah. thread was also fantastic. Yeah, well, and of course, having uh, Dave just as Austin Powers and uh, like, how many people have you seen with the, you know, that five was, years late? That was the only sort of tired gag in the episode. Like, oh his his costume is old like that was the only thing that when that first showed up, i was like okay this is either, this is gonna be an episode of happy endings but uh, but every other costume gag i thought was <laughs> was fantastic uh, the funny thing is although we've spotlighted these shows we are going to try to keep it relatively short so i don't have too much more to say except that i think i'm going to be trying to follow the show much more frequently because it's much better than i remembered and i think was the most impressive of the halloween episodes and actually of proportionally speaking although i may have laughed more at Mm -hmm. Always Sunny, I think proportionally it was the more impressive comedy this week. Well, and it's one that when I watched it again with my with my parents, I caught stuff that I had missed the first time around because I had been laughing. And that hasn't happened in quite a while for me. So mm -hmm. I, I did really enjoy it. Now, what did you think of the suburbia, like the, the, the big kids out in suburbia? Did that work for you or was that too on the nose? No, I thought that that was that was fine. I liked the the doors. <laughs> the doors. I mean, honestly, <laughs> to me, it almost felt like the whole segment was just a build up for that dumb gag, and that mm -hmm. was that was fine by me. I, it was maybe like the least laugh out loud of of the of the different sort of stories, but it was still pretty good. Yeah, and and, solid. and I did enjoy the uh, the tag at the ending along with its timing. So, yeah, it's I've I've been having a, a lot of fun with happy endings and. For, I'm, I'm only, my only concern is that this is going to turn into a slap bet kind of episode where it's just a breakthrough, really strong episode. And a slap bet is, of course, the season two How I Met Your Mother episode in which we first met Robin Sparkles. And it's generally considered to be one of the best episodes of the series. And so I, I just, as long as it doesn't, this isn't just like a one particular episode where everything really came together and worked. Uh, I mean, even if it was, it was still a hell of a lot of fun. But I'm hoping that this is the, you know... Sort of a launch pad. Yeah, yeah them reaching, figuring everything out, and it'll only get better from here. So we'll see. Yeah. 
And the, uh, the next show that we have is, of course, Homeland. So it's been – we've both been a big fan of – of, of this season or this series. And it did just get picked up for a second season, yes, which I'm so very happy about. So what did you think of this week's episode and has it continued to grow or was, did you like last week better? I think, uh, I mean, I don't want to say, I think this may have been a little better. I think they're, they've been gradually getting a little better. I think, uh, every episode has so far had a few more, like it seems to me that at this point, every other scene contains something extremely memorable, which is, spectacular that's really really difficult to do and also I, I find i'm impressed with different aspects every week um and, and it also helps that they're trying on different stuff every week i mean we we have the sort of and I, I noticed that someone on twitter compared this episode to the better parts of rubicon and there was an early-ish episode of rubicon where they they had sort of this extended heightened interrogation sequence i don't know if you got yeah. that far but that it, this episode reminded me of that and that was one of the best parts of rubicon and it was all it was still interesting here and you know we get these sort of extended scenes of american style torture and of course the 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 seemingly the interminable sequence wherein the um the captive is is exposed to extreme cold extreme light and extreme music which is what we were the hearing earlier the delightful orphan by gridley and hey you don't often get grindcore on television so that's always that's always good um and uh, and the whole dynamic of bringing Brody in on the on the actual operation was, I thought, quite brilliant and a nice way to ratchet up the tension. And they give and they give you so many hints this week that Brody is, in fact, mm-hmm. you know, up to something nefarious. That you they must. The the thing is, the quality of the writing is such that they know how many hints they're throwing out. They know how much you're thinking a certain way, and you know by next week they're going to find ways, and you hope that they're going to be intelligent ways to backtrack and make you reconsider. And so far, uh, I think we, we talked about this last week. There's just, there's a comfort level in watching it because you, you feel like there's an integrity to what they're doing with it. And they're finding ways to keep you off guard that aren't cheap, which is really, really hard to do. Yeah. This was definitely the first episode where I honestly could see a strong indication that Brody uh, has been turned in each of the previous episodes. You can still have that interpretation and it's still valid. And Damien Lewis's performance is excellent to, in, in his ability to juggle those possibilities very well. But this, and, and this episode is the first one to, I think very strongly. So no, seriously, he could, he could have done this. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciated that. My only issue with this episode, um, I had two, and they're, of course, in, in the uh, tenor of this episode, they're nitpicks. But while I did really like the time we got to see we spent with Saul and his, I assume, his wife, mm-hmm. um, I missed uh, Jessica. I missed the f- time with the family, with Brody's family, and uh, with all the great work Marina Baccarin's been doing on this series. To have her in one scene was sort of a letdown for me. And my other, my only other issue with it was that I'm tired of the the brody mike tension and i feel like if 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 they're not going to do anything with it then i don't i mean it makes sense for the characters and i don't want them to just drop it or anything like that but um if the scenes that i just don't really care about seeing those scenes because we already it's there's no new information there so yeah i mean i you know in a weird way in a perverse way because they're both you know military men which makes them naturally tight-lipped i I'm sort of hoping they never have a frank discussion about it because it would be a very un-TV thing to happen where they're just 
They're just constantly having this back and forth. But I, I can see how it's monotonous, but I can also see how it's realistic. So Well, yeah. I mean, my my thing with it then is it's just if you, they're just going to – if Brody's going to constantly just be kind of pissy around Mike, I don't really care to see that many scenes between mm-hmm. him and Mike. Maybe every now and again yeah. have I it. Mean, but it, Mike is a tricky character to integrate into the situation. And mm-hmm. maybe we'll be seeing less of him over time unless something drastically changes. Yeah, and I do like – like I said, I, I like the performance. I like what we're getting from them. I don't want to, yeah, I like. I don't want there to be some easy fix. And I agree with you that I think it would make far more sense for them to never actually address it. But then I want to see Brody trying to move past it and not just being a dick all yeah, the time. So, anyways, it's it's definitely still a great show. It's wonderful to see it, that it's been picked up for next season. We'll see how much they're able to how much this show is reliant upon just this Brody angle. And ho- I, I think that's supposed to be resolved at the end of the season. I'm not- uh, they haven't said what they're doing. Yeah. I, I don't know if that means that Damien Lewis is only there. For, I, I feel like they're, they're, not, they're keeping them both around for yeah. the entirety of the show. Yeah. And it would be a real shame to lose Damien Lewis. Yeah. Although you do wonder how long they can stretch it out. I feel like they could easily make uh, them become friends. If, yeah, he's, they, not, if yeah. he's not, you know. Yeah. Well, They'll figure something out. <laughs> an um, and one, the last thing I wanted to mention that, that was really great about, that was really evident in this particular episode is that Homeland is, because it's, you know, it, the, the length of an episode is considerably longer than most other hour long shows. And they really take advantage of that, t- of that time. Like the major conflicts are sort of, you know, you see that arc play out over the, maybe the first 40, 45 minutes. And then you get this nice long denouement. Mm-hmm. And especially, I, I really like those scenes with with Claire Dane sort of freaking out. And I don't know if you know if you've ever been close with depressed people or people who are bipolar, but her freak out was perfect. It was so perfect. And just the way she like she oh she kind of quits in a huff and then comes back and takes down all the pictures and then goes to the sister and cries. And so she's like, okay, you're not quitting. Relax. Sleep here. Talk to the kids. They'll be happy. That was all perfect. That was great. And I really and that last exchange between her and the daughter was just too priceless. This we you've seen her be crazy for the last fifteen minutes, and it's like it's my job to protect you. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> that, I I, de- I think I definitely darkly laughed out loud at that personally. Yeah, I, I mean, and the other thing, I've, yeah, my last thing is that I liked that they resolved the house near the airport um, plot line. They didn't string that out in a way that they thought they would. I was surprised by that, and. Um, I was glad we didn't see too much of Carrie angsting about yeah yeah that. So we like the show. We like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And and oh, and Mandy Patinkin being a certifiable badass in this episode. Holy <laughs> crap! That was so great. Yeah, you wouldn't want to piss off Saul. Definitely no. would not want to piss off Saul. And actually, she does again. I really hope that that bridge is burnt now, because this is the second time in what five or six episodes where she has verbally slapped him in the face. And if things are hunky-dory in an episode or two, I'm going to be pissed off. Well, but if he's used to her mood swings, it's like, it's the sort of thing where... Well, then it has no significance. Well, not really. I think he knows that she has a point in the sense that, you know, probably he has changed. And I think that there's something to be taken from that. But if you are close, if you're that close to someone like that, and they, you know, she does have these issues then you're kind of used to it to some degree. Yeah, and that's fine, but then don't ask me to care when it happens. Well, They asked me to care this week. We'll see where it's going. I mean, I cared in the sense, I cared more from his point of view because 
he is going through this very realistic life yeah. problem. And again, like Rubicon, you're seeing the strain of these very secretive, very demanding jobs on personal lives in ways that I think are quite realistic, less, a little bit less bleakly than on Rubicon. Um, but so I, I guess I cared more on his side than on hers. Cause to me, it seemed like a fairly routine <laughs> response from her. Cheery. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, it's good. And we, we, I, I assume this is a show that we're going to be spotlighting for a while. Uh, yes, most likely. Yeah. I think it's going to, it'll, it'll be a pretty, unless they really screw the pooch somehow, <laughs> which they could. Yeah. Well, well, there's a lot of ways the show could go wrong. Yeah. But I think, you know, they've, they've earned some faith. Yes. So. Yes, they have. Um, so now before we go into our DVD shelf, uh, of course, a few show notes, you can reach us by emailing us, uh, the televerse at gmail.com, or we're going to of course have a post up at the website, soundonsite.org. So please leave us a comment. We made our goal of three comments last week. So let's go for three again <laughs> and hopefully we can, uh, hear from some of our, our new listeners. Way to think big. Hey, you know, we, we just barely made our three. I don't want to oversell this right, to people. Let's not push our luck. I would love to hear from, from, you know, our, the, you know, the guys that we know are listening and that we've enjoyed talking with on the website and on Twitter, but it would also be, you know, great to hear from anybody who's newer to the Televerse. And, um, of course we're on iTunes with both an M4A and an MP3 feed and you can subscribe there and, uh, give us a rating. That would be great. So people can help to find us. Um, uh, of course I'm at the, tw- at the Televerse on Twitter. You are at uh, sucker Howell. And I do always love talking um, with anybody, like talking with Dave this week about Mad Men or with TNRLM about Supernatural. So just, you know, shoot me a tweet if you have a show you want to talk about. <laughs> I've seen so much TV, it's kind of sad, so I probably can talk about it with you. Um, I think that's about it. Any other? Nope, that sounds good to me. Let's take it out. Yeah, so we'll be right back after after this with our DVD shelf with Craig Bevan. I hate flat hunting. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I... I do not envy you at all. <laughs> Could I borrow that after you? Yeah. Any luck? No, yeah. It's, it's early days yet, so... <laughs> getting to know you Getting to know all about you Getting to like you Getting to hope you Don't whoa there, pickle. You know, you... Every morning I wake up and it's the same. I get out and I buy the paper and I smack them all and I phone them. Only to discover they would take away what you fucking psychic house hunters. Well, you know, you've only looked at a few. And they've all been gold infested rattles. I'm in the same boat, you know. I mean, you don't see me crying. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Hey. Hey. I didn't see that one. Spacious two-bedroom apartment, fully furnished, ninety pounds a week. Oh, professional couple only. <laughs> you could always pretend. What do you mean? Oh, have you got any homeless male friends? <clears throat> well, I do have one homeless male friend. <laughs> Who? 
Welcome back to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, and as ever, I'm joined by Simon Howell. And this week on the DVD shelf, we're talking Spaced, and we're glad to welcome from Simply Syndicated and more specifically, Movies You Should See, Mr. Craig Bevan. Thanks for coming on the show. No worries. It's an absolute pleasure. So when I was talking to you about what show to pick, you had uh, several different ones that that you had thought of, but we we settled on Spaced. And Mm. what is it about this show that makes it one of your favorites? I think it was absolutely perfect for the time that it came out in terms of my age and like my friends at the time. And you know, we were all kind of at uni. So as you can imagine, spaced and what it is and kind of bumming around, if you like, is just it, it's exactly what we were doing. So therefore, you know, as we were watching all the films or the TV, it just absolutely spoke to us on so many levels. So, and, and me and all of my friends absolutely love this deeply it is just absolute genius as far as we're concerned it's yeah it really is it's a fantastic show and yeah you know, when i saw it i i caught up with it a couple of years after it was off the air and when i was at uh, school as well uh it's just it's a lot it's a hell of a lot of fun and you're absolutely right it mm-hmm. knows exactly where it's what it's doing and what its point of view and tone is from the very first scene what strikes me with it is it is just absolute fun it's as if, you know, we as a group of, uh, you know, geeky sort of friends kind of sat down and thought, what would make the perfect TV show? And, you know, oh, we've got our film references. We've got to make it silly as hell. We've got to just, you know, be naturalistic to what we do at the moment. And, and you yeah, know, I'm saying being naturalistic. Obviously, there's so many surreal things that happen in this show. But it was just, oh, I don't know. It's, for me, it was perfection for the time that it was released for me personally anyway i'm i'm guessing if you are of an older generation or perhaps a younger generation it may not speak to you as as much but i'm sure you'll still get the kind of silly humor and if you know your films then definitely you'll see the references when you met, when you emphasize how fun it is i think what's really interesting to me thinking back about the show is when i think about every other british comedy series that i that i love particularly you know the the gervais shows and the thick of it a lot of them mm. i mean they they really rely uh, to their benefit uh, on being quite mean and dark yeah. and uh, and cynical and embarrassing kind of humor, yeah. yeah. And and space is obviously exactly the opposite. Um, and I, you know, I'm maybe it isn't quite as influential as some of the, as some of those other series. Although I would uh, suggest that a show like Community is an obvious sort of uh, descendant of of this mm. show. I I, th- I think it's still it still rewards a watch. I mean, I've 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 watched the entire series three or four times, and it. It it's always yeah, there's always little details that you can pick up on, and that's something that has been part of Edgar Wright's visual style, especially his editing uh, sort yeah. of preferences uh, ever since. That's it, and, and there's always another reference that you'll you'll pick up on. I think, oh damn, that's that's that, isn't it? Of course, you know what I mean. So, isn't there something like a homage meter or something like that to try and get all the the film references? And and if you get them all in the series or in one episode then you're well you, you've seen a lot of films put it that way the for those who are unfamiliar with spaced um the, it's a show about these two people daisy and tim they each need a new apartment and they have a hard time finding one and they finally find one but in order to rent it they have to be a, a couple the landlord, Marsha, will only rent it out to a professional couple. So they pretend to be a couple, even though he just got dumped and she has a, a long-distance boyfriend. Yeah, um, yeah. 
and and then they move in and hijinks ensue i think is a fair way to uh to put it and so the show centers around them and then we have the the landlord and <laughs> her uh interesting uh, shall we say daughter and there's also brian the artist downstairs and then uh each of their best friends so so you we have mike who is tim's best friend and twist who is daisy's best friend and uh they're like, when we talk about the, the characters just they're all so i mean they feel like they're all up to 11 in different ways but it still yes. works yeah it does it's kind of set in a very normal environment you know as you said two 20 somethings looking for a flat in north london just just to you know have a base yet you've got these characters simon Pegg and daisy are the most normal and then surrounding them yeah you've got nick frost who's playing mike who's like obsessed with guns and the army and he's currently in the territorial army because he can't be in the real army and i mean that's that's um simon Pegg's or, or tim's best friend and then oh yeah you, you've got twist as well twist is um daisy's best friend she's just extroverted wannabe fashion star um and then of course you've got the the other residents there it, it's just it's so colorful and from start to finish it's just it's surreal it's surreal but again based in such normal circumstances if i had to compare it to something i would say the closest thing that i could come up with is a warner brothers cartoon like an old school short mm. uh just because it is so over the top and zany and the they embrace the surreal as you've already mentioned and they always they're happy to go for the silly joke rather than cling to reality or or narrative i mean it really is all about fun even when they take on you know even when they seem to get sort of topical as when they you know when there's a brian related plot line that sort of goes into the art world or when daisy gets a job at a magazine and they're sort of dealing with you know more superficial notions of feminism it's all really just in service of gags there's no real uh there's no real probing social context or anything no and i mean with the silliness it's not cheap or or poor jokes it's just being silly it's just taking uh, a perspective on something like the, the one thing that jumps out straight away is when tim turns around and he's scared of something and he kind of goes pulls back and mimics the zombie picture behind him it's it's just really odd little visual things like that yeah it's a very smart show in that it i mean if you're if you're watching it and you've never seen you know somehow you're under a rock with a dvd of spaced and so you've never <laughs> seen any other movies or tv you can still follow you know there's still an interesting story and interesting characters and fun but just layered in all are all these other references and it's a very dense show but it doesn't i mean it might slightly pause to give you time to catch those but if you don't then it, it, it's it's fine it doesn't talk down to you it doesn't he beat you over the head with in case you missed it this mm. is what we're referencing and yeah you know, that, that just makes i think that makes it a really watchable show for people of all different ages and different levels of of geek interest and such mm. And I think it goes without saying that essential viewing for anyone who is a fan of uh, Edgar Wright's movies, particularly Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, because mm. that, that style is taken directly from Spaced, although Spaced is, uh, I would say, a little bit sweeter 
this is sort of a kinder, gentler version of of the the aesthetic of those films, and also the, the they have that same sort of sense of rapid fire humor, as well as the, the the referencing. And Edgar Wright's really a master of of blending in these references and these homages. I I would say really, out of all the sort of movie and genre series references that they fold in, the only one the the only episode theme that never really did anything for me was the first episode of the second series. Uh, sort of the the Matrix theme. That episode's always felt a bit off to me. Other than that, I, I really feel like the whole series is very consistent. Mm, I was going to say, for that particular episode, I think they push the surrealism so far. I think it just becomes a bit like, uh, okay, you know, I can deal with it. I love it. I love space. The humor's still good. But although the surrealism is current throughout, that was just an extra step. And it was just like, okay, right, okay. But I'm not going to cry about that i'm gonna yeah fair enough next episode but yeah I, I know i know exactly what you mean speaking of edgar wright fans of, of his should also check out space not just because it's good and not just because it has a similar sensibility to his other films but because you can sort of see him working out ideas that he's going to come back to later in, in mm-hmm. his other films and i would assume in his films yet to come um just you know like there's that was it the second or third episode that intro with the zombies and then that comes back to, with su- similar angles and and perspective shots in Shaun of the Dead and and uh, you can really see him developing his style definitely and it's just got it's just got bigger and bigger obviously when it's uh, hit the movies yeah one of the people who i think often gets overlooked when discussing spaced is is jessica stevenson or uh, after she got married jessica hines who Mm. plays daisy and is one of the creators of the show because uh simon Pegg and nick frost and edgar wright went off and did the films together and she wasn't as much a part of that she of course cameos in Shaun of the dead um, but because of that, people tend to think of those three guys as a trio and sort of forget to credit her. But Yeah, because, uh, of course, she and uh, Simon Pegg wrote The Whole of Space, didn't they? Yeah. And you can you can see that perspective in the show. It's a very gender-balanced show between the roles. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and she's a, a really interesting figure in, I mean, in sort of in... If you want to place her in in sitcom history, in you know on either side of the Atlantic, she's she straddles the line nicely between you know sort of embarrassing herself and making a fool fool out of herself and being allowed to be you know, a woman and a person, someone who has a long distance boyfriend who has sort of you know entanglements, but who also is uh, absolutely silly and and somewhat unglamorous at times. Uh, I think they they found a really nice balance with her character in that sense. Definitely. Yeah, that's something that. Um... I've started to notice more and more in series. Um, it's something that, for example, it's always Sunny used to struggle with the giving the guys all the funny stuff and and D uh, for a couple seasons she didn't really get to be funny as as the woman um, she was the serious one and and so just to from the very first scene in the pilots um, in 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 spaced and then shortly after in the diner scene when when uh, Daisy and, and Tim meet. Uh, if anything, she's the sillier and the funnier one of the two, and she really commits to her role. So I think I think she's great. Mm. Would you say she was more of the protagonist than Tim? You know, I'm not sure because I was familiar with Simon Pegg before I watched the show for the first time, so I mm. keyed into his character more. But I don't know. Well, I th- I think it oscillates between them. I mean, 
I think it starts out relatively, I think in the pilot, it's relatively even. Uh, but, you know, we, we get some episodes that are more Daisy-centric and some that are more Tim-centric, you know, whether they're talking about his sort of burgeoning comic book artist career or his struggles with his ex, or if they're talking about Daisy and her, you know, writing misadventures or her trips or whatever. I, I, I think it, it it's not, you know, necessarily even with any given episode, but I think over the course of the series, it's it's fairly even. I do want to get to spend some time on what are your guys' um, favorite episodes? If you and it's hard to pick, I know because it is a very consistent show. But uh, Craig, what's your favorite episode? Right, I was just going through the episode guide, and I believe it is Metal, which is season two, episode three. It's where they're in the robot wars or ro- <laughs> robot club, and they've got the two uh, robots battling it out. And for me, just some of the the the, the ridiculousness of some of the lines in that are just what do it for me i think i've seen that episode specifically probably about seven or eight times i absolutely love it and of course uh i believe in that one you've also got Dwayne benzie as well oh or is he in another one he might be in another one i'm not entirely sure oh no no another one stands out as well you know where the um the daisy and tim go out and um they've got the the gang of youths yeah and they do the the t- the slow motion gun scene gunfight oh, that's just like I think that's my favorite scene in the entire series. The amount of times we created recreated that at uni was just ridiculous. And the the structuring of that episode is brilliant as well. Yeah. We've talked about this before on the DVD shelf. There are certain series where you can tell if somebody's cool based on if they like it and if they've checked it, you know whether or not they've checked it you know heard checked it out and watched it. If they have, if they like it, that means they have good taste. And that's kind of how I feel about that slow motion gunfight. If you start a slow motion gunfight with someone and they just kind of look at you weird, they are clearly not cool and you should not be spending time with them, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Do you do you attempt that with everyone you meet then? Uh, well, it's, it's on the checklist. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> good times. Simon, what's your favorite? Uh, as f- I actually sort of have a two-part favorite. The, I, I feel like episodes three and four of season one, uh, Art, which is uh, obviously Brian-centric. Um, I, I've I've always loved that. It's got so many great moments. I'm also a huge fan of, of Battles, which is the paintball episode. Uh, as you mentioned, um, we, we have uh, Dwayne Benzi uh, showing up, who's played by Peter Serafinowicz, who, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure there's ever really been a TV vehicle that's totally shown off his genius appropriately. Uh, but whenever he shows up in sort of a recurring or guest status on a, on a show, it's it's almost always a good idea, and uh, he's and he's and he's fantastic. The only other thing I've seen him in um, is Black Books. I don't know if you've seen Black Books. I have either. not, but I've heard good things. Oh, do watch it. Do do watch it. If you like, um, I say if you like this, then watch it. But it's kind of you know, so I think Simon Pegg turns up in it. I know uh, Nick Frost turns up in it. It's of that kind of. Uh, in British comedy, you get probably, I'd say, the um, the elite, if you like. You get these groups of people, that uh, League of Gentlemen, that type of thing as well. They they all seem to kind of rotate around the shows. You've got other shows like, um, oh, Train, Big Train. They all seem to be in that as well. And you've got this huge pool of uh, TV comedy actors and actresses in, in the UK that all seem to kind of have bit parts in different TV shows. So... Black Box is another one. It's got Bill Bailey and it's got Dylan Moran and, yeah, various different people that you may recognize popping up every now and then. So do, do, do visit that. From everything I've heard, he was 
one of the highlights of the short run uh, Will Arnett and Carrie Russell series running wild as well. But yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's a lot of fun. Because, of course, some of these casts we've seen, you know, over in the States at least, pop up. Of course, Simon Pegg and, and Nick Frost have broken over or come across the, the to the States quite successfully, I would say. Um, mm. Jessica Hines, less so. I mean, she wasn't that great two-part Doctor Who that we got, we do get to watch over here as well. But um, she hasn't really transitioned to American TV. And I don't know that she actually... What cares to i would assume she has other stuff going on she does a lot of writing though a hell of a lot of writing so maybe that's something to do with it yeah um but but i was surprised um i do enjoy uh watching because i've i watch quite a bit of british tv at least compared to most americans i would guess and it was so much fun to to see all these different uh actors popping up you know when i'm i'm uh not used to seeing them on these regular shows and that i you know they would trigger the back of my my head and i would look in the cast list and be like oh that's mark heap he's brian or oh that's katie carp she's twist and yeah it it really is one of those shows i mean it's not for all of its uh excellence uh and high concept editing and and uh writing and all that it's not the most polished show ever um no, there's a certain rough rough edge to it, isn't there? Yeah. And who knows, maybe that's something to do with... And I, I saw that more... I felt that more in the first season than in the second. And we should mention, again, for those who aren't familiar with the show, being a British series, there are, what, I think 15 episodes? 14 episodes? 14 episodes, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's another one one of those that's, you know, easy to pop in and, you know, mainline the whole series. Um, but maybe it's because when they did the first season, I feel like this is one where they just kind of left them alone and said go make a TV show and we'll put it on the air. Uh, But I think that even kind of gives it an extra little charm. It gives it a sort of sense of these, you know, look what they let us do. They gave us cameras and let us do whatever we want. Exactly. It's almost as if they won a competition to, to go and make a film. Here's a big budget. Go make, go make your own TV series, do whatever the hell you want. Just mess around for all I care. That's the kind of impression I get. And it's brilliant. I think that gives it a sense of exuberance and uh, uh, maybe of whimsy. That I, It feels very much like a show created by young people. The last thing I wanted to mention is that there is a four-minute clip reel from the proposed U.S. version of Spaced. Yeah. They made a, it was a, a pilot was made, and, of course, it was never optioned to series. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a fan of... of of UK UK spaced it's quite painful to watch because you know they repeat gags in in less effective ways that being said it's it's difficult to judge whether or not it actually would have been a horrible series I mean if you watch the pilot for the American office it's not great uh, by any means but I think they've gone gone on to do some interesting things then the leads don't seem terrible but you know ultimately I am glad it doesn't exist the reason um, I was speaking to Tristan O'Field um, my good friend the other day uh, he basically said that the reason that the American Seas um, pilot got commissioned is because neither Peg Stevenson or Edgar Wright owned the right uh, to Spaced. So someone kind of sold it behind their back, apparently. And that's one other reason why Simon Pegg et al. absolutely despised the <laughs> American remake version because they had no input with it whatsoever. Well, and then the uh, promos and the people, when people were trying to sell the show around around Hollywood, they were 
putting their names on it as if they had anything to do with it. But but of course they yeah. were not even they didn't even get a call. They didn't even know about it until they saw an ad with their names on it saying Exactly. You know, yeah. And then the other thing is as well, of course, different humor does, you know, translate translate differently. You know, you've got the drug references uh, over here in the UK. You've got the the fact that Mike carries guns around everywhere and they wanted to cut all of that out. And it of course, it was always going to be a completely different show, but to yeah, like you say, suddenly discover that someone's doing a remake of your show because your name's on a poster is a bit, it's a bit underhand. Well, and it just the show would not succeed. I don't. I mean, it's a, it's a nice, it's an excellent concept. I think it's a well, it's also one that has been done a million times before. Just look at Three's Company, which of course that's another one that started over in England before it came here, but. Um, but but what makes the show work is the perspective and point of view and uh, voice of of the creators. So, I mean, it, much as Community is a descendant, I would agree of of Spaced, it's it has a very different feel than Space does. And even with that much of a, I, I guess, thematic parallel or um, having similar interests in in the way they want to tell stories. Spaced is a very different show than Community, and any attempt to remake it without, you know, without particularly Edgar Wright's visual style would just would not have worked. Yeah, and I, actually, um, my last digression when you were talking about the things that they would have had to have uh, had to have eliminated uh, from, you know, from the British space, that makes me think of what what happened when they tried to adapt the thick of it with Oliver Platt. And apparently they removed any instances of improvisation or swearing. <laughs> and then, okay, there's, I'm sorry, there's no show now at this point. As much as I like Oliver Platt, as much yeah. as I would like to see that pilot out of morbid curiosity, you know, it's, you're dealing with something different now. Yeah. Yeah. It's also similar to the, the Clerks animated show where they took Jay and Silent Bob and made them mis, uh, misfits who like to get into trouble as opposed to drug dealers. <laughs> you know, it's a slightly different tone. Right. So, but, uh, but yeah, so we should, I guess we should probably wrap up. I know we could probably talk about this show forever because there's a, a lot to talk about. Are there any final topics or, or ideas you guys want to get to? Craig? Um, what I was going to say was as well, uh, in terms of music within within it uh it was a lot of the music that was, is in it uh you've got nightmares on wax you've got a lot of sort of dance sort of chilled out kind of hip-hoppy kind of vibes in there and that was that was a lot of what we were listening to at the time as well so it, it's got a very good soundtrack perhaps a little dated now certainly with the clubbier uh dancier house music aspects but that that is is another good thing as well and also makes me believe that they were like all oh, right we can put this music in here and we can we can do this and we can talk about this and we can draw comics and you know what i mean i can just see them all around the brainstorming table going mental absolutely loving it good times uh it took a while but there is an american region there's a there's a region one region dvd one. out uh now and there are actually just a whole bunch of commentaries with you know kevin smith quentin tarantino there's a lot of really notable uh, f and interesting filmmakers who uh, are just big, huge fanboys of this series, too. So if you like Space, you're in good company. Not just ours, but other famous people, too. Well, that is it. I know we've already said it, but if you are a movie geek, watch this show. No two ways about it. You will absolutely adore it. Yeah. It's good times. So thank you for coming on the show. Where can our listeners find you? Ah, They can find me at craigbevanmusic.com. 
Uh, I'm also on Twitter as Mr. Craig Bevan. I'm also on YouTube as Mr. Craig Bevan. Uh, so, yeah, check me out. Good times. Thanks for listening, everybody, and come back next week for another episode of The Televerse. We're just going to cut this out anyways. It's yeah. cool. Oh, well, hello, people from the Delaware. They're not going <laughs> to hear you. We could stick it at the end. Yeah, we could. Hey. Say hi again. Make a racist joke. <laughs> For the next one. Right? Okay. See you later. That's yeah. Simon's roommate. <laughs> we will. Um, let's see. So just uh, go to Always Sunny. Or-